Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Live from downtown San Francisco, this is 95.7 The Game. Breathe. Exhale. Breathe. Oh, my God. Woosa. Woosa. Wow. I don't know how they did it, Sterling Bennett. John's behind the glass. Evan Giddings with you here on Overtime, filling in for Kyle Madsen and Alan Styles after the San Francisco 49ers on the first day of 2023. Felt like they made us relive all of 2022 all over again. 37-34 overtime finish against the Las Vegas Raiders. The Niners have somehow now won nine in a row. Brock Purdy has won five in a row, and it has been a a whirlwind of emotions right now for the 49ers who are trying to... We are going to try and put this into perspective over the next couple of hours here on 95.7 The Game. 888-957-9570. That is the Xfinity Mobile text line. That's the phone number. What are you feeling right now? Sterling Bennett... What are you feeling right now? Man, it's Xanax, dude. I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm, i got to calm down, man. Brock Purdy was, had a pretty good game today, but the defense, man, the defense all day, which has been the strong suit of this team, the stronghold of this team every single game, number one defense coming into this game against the Raiders. And I'm not going to lie to you, overtime, ball first in Jared Stidham's hands, I said, I don't know if they can stop him. And I've never felt that way before with this defense this year. And I tell you what, thank God for Nick Bosa pushing a left tackle into Stidham and an interception by Tayshawn Gibson to finally get the win, escape. And now the number two seed with a chance, maybe a fleeting chance, but a chance at the number one seed in the NFC in Week 18 next weekend. Well, I think we learned something from this weekend, Sterling, and that's to not get ahead of ourselves. Like as much day by day, week by as week. much as this game is going to reflect again a ninth straight win, the first double digit comfort behind victory for Brock Purdy. Wow! Just a few times that's happened this season for the 49ers, Of course, if I told you that Brock Purdy would be outplayed by Jared Stidham, you'd tell me I'm crazy. If I told you that the San Francisco 49ers defense would give up 34 points, you'd tell me I'm crazy. If I told you that the 49ers defense would give up 500 yards of total offense and in the first half give up 7.5 yards of play, the number one overall defense in football, you would have told me I am insane. I would have had you committed. All of those things happened today. A missed game-winning field goal, a made game-winning field goal, a fantastic play in overtime by Nick Bosa that created that turnover by the DPOY. But then you look at players all around that have showed up this year for the 49ers. Mistakes. Hufanga, the first drive of the game, gets beat by Darren Waller. Fred Warner, a DPI in the end zone. The last drive of the game, Yamador Lenore. They had a four-play sequence of, what are you doing? They had a lot of that today. There was a lot of, what are you doing? And so this is what, I am, this is what I'm interested in knowing what the fans think about this game. Are you looking at this game as, 
I, I have to reevaluate how I'm feeling about this team? Are you feeling like, you know what? We just stood a test that I, I don't know necessarily should have been there, but this has been the first time that they have really been tested in the game by any team since Brock Purdy has taken over as quarterback, and they found a way to get the win on a game where they clearly did not play their, their best defense, 209 chiming in the Xfinity Mobile text line, the secondary struggling, especially today. We just talked about Lenore, but Hufanga, the secondary all around was getting beat by Jared Stidham. They got the ball ran down their throat at times today. Penalties were an issue again. But somehow they made enough plays to win the game. A lot of fans during this winning streak, now nine games, had questioned, would you want this team to either lose a game to, like, what are the odds you win 14 straight games and get yourself a Super Bowl? Not not very high. But many fans question, should you lose a game? Would you want to lose a game, kind of reset things, allow you to maybe rethink how you play the game or, or go into the game thing? okay, the monkey's off our back, we lost a game, now let's get back to playing our style of football. Well, I could argue that this may have been better than losing a game. One, you got the win. You have a higher seed now in the NFC playoffs. You might be the number one seed if things go your way next week with Philadelphia and the Niners win against the Cardinals. But I could argue that now I know that when the going gets tough, Brock Purdy's not going to play scared. Like, what was one of the things we pointed to in 2019 on that magical run? Fourth quarter comebacks, Jimmy Garoppolo had four of them tied for first in the NFL. While Brock Purdy, he didn't have that today. He wasn't amazing today. He was really good. I, I I don't point to Brock Purdy and say, wow, that's a seventh rounder for a reason. I said, no, he played good enough to keep you in that game, maybe outside of one pass to George Kittle that I could argue I didn't like to play call in the first place. Like I don't think Purdy played this game scared. And in big moments, you need young quarterbacks, especially to not play afraid to know that if I have to make a big throw, I'm going to do what it takes to either try to make it or actually make it, and Brock Purdy did that today. Well, And we're going to talk about the injuries that the 49ers sustained, Aaron Banks being potentially the biggest one that would linger long-term, but Dre Greenlaw's back is something to pay attention to. We'll get into the injuries. We'll hear from Kyle Shanahan later on in the program, along with everyone else speaking here on 49ers uh, Overtime on 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings and Sterling Bennett, 888-957-9570 is the number. That's also the number for the Xfinity Mobile text line. Flood the thoughts in. Let us know what you thought about the game. How are you feeling right now? Are you feeling happy just to be alive Walking out of that game. And that's kind of the way that that I feel at this point is, look, yes, you got the two seed. I mean, Minnesota got absolutely throttled up in Green Bay. Wasn't it great? Wasn't it pretty? But I'm sorry. (laughs) Look, let's let's stay with Las Vegas (laughs) and the 49ers being in Las Vegas right now. because and, And this is actually something that we've been doing, I think, a little bit too much as a station. We have been looking outside the 49ers, and we have had reason to, right? The 49ers have not been tested. Now, whether you believe that the Raiders are a team that should test the 49ers is something else. But Brock Purdy, let's stay on him, Sterling, because I think you're right. He did show us today that he's not afraid of the big moment, but he also did show us that he's not afraid to maybe make the big mistake that right. could hurt you. Right. Talking about the throw into Kittle. We're talking about two well, two throws to Kittle. One, 
of course, in the third quarter, throwing a ball up that may, that was intercepted, his lone, line. his lone turnover today. But the second one on the goal line, where you need a flamethrower to fit that ball in that tight window, and if you miss a couple of inches right or left, that could be taken back to the house. It didn't happen. I'm also thinking about his first throw in overtime. That was a little bit too leading towards Brandon Ayuk. Didn't get caught, wasn't intercepted, didn't hurt you, then go down to the drive, or probably the last drive before overtime, you hit Brandon Ayuk three different times. He had 62 yards on that final drive. You establish yourself, but you almost got hurt on the first throw. I'm thinking about Brock Purdy as a guy who is, in my mind, he's become a bit of a gunslinger for this team. And it looks really good in the first half when you're rolling out to your left and you're finding Kittle in the back of the end zone and you're shooting up the two pistols and you're putting ice in your veins. <laughs> but it doesn't look so good when you're throwing up 50-50 balls that other teams might be able to catch. And so Brock Purdy, I think, although he has established himself as a quarterback that has pocket presence, that has pocket awareness, he also showed in this game something that may have put Kyle Shanahan's radar up a little bit, which is my quarterback does have confidence, but I need to figure out the fine line to where that confidence can hurt us, or pardon me, help us, but not hurt us. Do you think by any chance Shanahan goes home tonight, goes home tomorrow, and says, okay, like, Maybe I do need to pull the reins back. We've had that conversation plenty of times with Jimmy Garoppolo. Some even said that Kyle Shanahan coached Trey Lance a little hesitantly. Do you think that conversation now with, look, the Raiders' defense, the 31st in the NFL, they're not good. No. They can't guard anybody. I mean, they are a bad defense. And while I do think Brock Purdy deserves the credit in this game where he didn't play afraid, he was willing to, if he had to, make the big play that could be a 50-50 ball. If you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. I can live with that result, which in big moments, sometimes you need. Sometimes you can't have Jimmy Garoppolo, who's hesitant, to try to make that play because sometimes that big play is what gets you in a position to win the ball game. And Brock Purdy can do that stuff. Now, if you're Kyle Shanahan, do you say, look, you did almost throw three picks in that final drive. You almost threw a pick that didn't allow us to tie the football game. What do you do now if you're Kyle Shanahan? Do you sit there and say, okay, it's fine, walk away, got the W, New Year, whatever, and celebrate? Or do you go back home and say, I need to reevaluate how I manage this kid? I don't think that you do reevaluate anything. Because look again, if you tell me that the 49ers are scoring 37 points on any team, then I'm telling you, usually you're going to win that game and you're going to win it going away. Like that's, that's an offensive result that you can absolutely live with and one that is a reason why I think San Francisco was a 10-point favorite or 9.5-point favorite, depending on where you look, coming into this game. Because if you're telling me that the Niners are getting 37 points against a backup quarterback on a team whose playoff hopes they've essentially punted on, then I'm telling you they're winning that game by 15. But the difference was today, the Niners' defense, they were mortal. And they were mortal for the first time in probably two, two two-and-a-half months. Now, is that something that gives people hesitance? Or are we simply writing this off as a bad day? I think that's the big question, right? Is, okay, like, is the defense that we saw the last two months, is that the, who they are? Or are they going to start, or, excuse me, start to show some leakage? Is it going to be there's some holes here or there in the secondary? How long can Tayshawn Gibson, a guy who was kind of a practice squad or, or, or a training camp walk-on who's a vet, how long can he keep up? His play. How many big plays is Hufunga going to give up early in the game, maybe late in the game, where it costs you? Is Lenore going to be your CB2? Can he be trusted? Like There are legit questions where I don't think 
while many fans have said they haven't played anybody yet. Eagles fans, Vikings fans, who have San Francisco played this year? And I wouldn't disagree when they say really nobody. Like, what's the best offense they have played over their now nine-game winning streak? Maybe the Commanders? Maybe? And they aren't even good. They lost to the Browns today with another quarterback. Like, who they've beaten, at least defensively, are not top 10 offenses in football. So now you're playing a backup quarterback who puts up 34 points against you. And I do think some fans are going to leave this game questioning how good. Like, is this team the 2000 Baltimore Ravens? Or are they the 2011-12 San Francisco 49ers who can't get it done when it matters? And the odds are it's probably somewhere in the middle. Look, from the 209, Niners defense good, but not error-free, not perfect. They certainly weren't perfect today. I mean, you gave up 34 points, granted, in overtime, but you gave up 34 points to a team that told its formerly franchise quarterback to kick rocks. Like seven 20-plus yard plays in this game. Home run style plays. You give up 365 passing yards. Again, the 49ers are number one in just about every defensive category that matters. This was a team today... And look, they have looked and earned the right to call themselves the number one defense, what they have done this entire season. But the question is, on a bad day like today, and this is what does give me some optimism, is on a day when your defense doesn't have its best day. Now, there are going to be teams that you play in the future, in the playoffs specifically, that are better, of course, than the Las Vegas Raiders. But on a day where your defense doesn't show up, can the offense pick them up? And at least for one time in this regular season, who knows if we'll get to see it against Arizona, but at least one time with Brock Purdy under center, you can say they did that. Now I know, look, opponent is not ideal. The Las Vegas Raiders are not a good team at this point. But they still have, as we saw, Devontae Adams, who is probably, might have been the best playmaker on the field today, and that's with Christian McCaffrey on the other side. We're looking at a team that was able to find something and expose, as we've seen over a couple of, of instances in the past, a team with a quarterback that can move. Not necessarily beat you with his legs specifically, but can extend plays. Can keep the defense hesitant to a point where we saw maybe for the first time this year, Sterling, Nick Bosa yeah. not immediately on a free rush roll to the quarterback, swarm him. There was hesitance from Nick Bosa today. He froze. He said, what do I do? What are you going to do? And that's not instinctual of a pass rusher like Nick Bosa we've ever seen before. He is quarterback hit, quarterback hit. I want to get that sack. Like, there's a story of him in training camp saying, or to get himself hyped up, saying his own name, Bosa, Bosa, because he's so confident in himself. But for the first time maybe ever, and I don't know why, maybe he was... I've never seen that before. Maybe he thought it was a screen, but he didn't put his hands up. In fact... Stidham threw the ball, and he walked away and kind of shrugged and said, you got me. That can't happen come playoff time. That's nope. not going to happen to Mahomes or Allen, even Rodgers. Those quarterbacks are going to hurt you big time. If they ain't backups, they're elite-level guys. And if Jalen Hurts, maybe Dak Prescott, whoever knows or whoever quarterback you're going to play, you cannot freeze like that on a quarterback. No, and look, Nick Bosa showed up when it mattered most. He made the biggest defensive play of the game in overtime. He drove the Raiders' left tackle back into Stidham, forced the errant throw that Gibson picks off, takes it down inside the five, and then the Niners kick a 23-yard field goal to win 37-34 in overtime. Ninth win in a row. They're the second seed currently standing in the NFC with the Vikings losing today to the Green Bay Packers. Nick Bosa made the play he needed to. He had five of the nine quarterback hits today on Jared Stidham. But they did not have a single sack. 
that was... That shocked me a little bit looking down. When I was driving into the, the studio today, I said, we don't have a sack today. When's the last time you saw this defense not have a sack? It seems like every game there's 10-plus pressures, the quarterback is running for his life, and Stidham, I'm not going to say they made him look like a starting quarterback, but he played like one, and a part of that is because they couldn't get to him. They barely even touched him. It felt like that Jared Stidham today had a clean pocket every single snap. There was never a time where Jared Stidham said, I'm under duress, I have to run out of the pocket. It felt like that he was playing under a comfortable, like there was a comfortability level with how he was playing because they couldn't get pressure to him. No, they, they couldn't. And look, the 49ers don't often not get pressure, but I think it starts with the 49ers came out a little bit flat today. It looked like a team that may or may not have enjoyed Las Vegas on New Year's Eve a little bit too much. They were in Sin City last night. They looked like a team that may be overlooking a Las Vegas Raiders team that, again, essentially, even though they're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, basically waved the white flag at the beginning of this season, or beginning of this week, pardon me, by telling Derek Carr to hit the pike. But you got one more week left, and you're in the driver's seat. you got Arizona. You would hope that you'd be able to take care of business last game of the year heading into the playoffs, keep the two seed, and keep the two home games. My question, and I want to preface it by saying, look, they won the game. They've won nine in a row. But does a win like this, and again, it's a win, so maybe it sounds nitpicky, but does a win like this make you worried at all? 888-957-9570. Does it worry you this kind of result against a Las Vegas Raiders team? Did you see something that you have not seen before from this Niners, either the defense, Brock Purdy, the running game? What gives you the most pause? What gives you also on the other side the most confidence? Because I do think it's twofold. I do think that the defense did not have its best day. I also think Brock Purdy did not have his best day, even though statistically he may have had his highest numbers. Uh, 22 of 35, 284, two touchdowns and an interception. Both of those interceptions, pardon me, both of those touchdowns were in the first half. And a first half that was controlled. 7 seven for 10, 38 yards and two touchdowns. They were allowed to run the football against Las Vegas in the second half, and in overtime, Brock Purdy had to throw the football. So does that give you confidence, the fact that you were down 10 at one point in this game, you had to throw the rock, and Brock at least showed you that he can do that. He is not afraid of the moment to be able to do that. With Brock Purdy, every game has been, you have a lead, protect it. Now, he's made some big plays, hit some home run plays, and, and look, 209, you're right, you have to give the Raiders credit. They came out and they fought. This game could have easily been our coach waved the white flag, our GM waved the white flag, their eyes were towards 2023, and they came out today and said, no, we have something to prove. They wanted to come out here and they wanted to punch the number one defense in the mouth, and they did that, and they almost stole a victory granted in their own place. But back to Brock Purdy, when a quarterback now has the experience of playing from behind, that they know that when things get tough, when when your offense has to tighten up, you can't make a mistake. Where if you do, it might be catastrophic. Your season, your game could be over. Brock Purdy looked just as loose, just as comfortable. And I do think that for fans, including myself, that does give them more confidence, at least in him, that come playoff time, if you're down by 10 with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, he's not going to get rattled. Well, yeah, he might make a mistake. He might throw a pick. Okay, 
but he's not going to be afraid to make that big throw if he needs to. Where he, if there's a defender in his face, it's not going to maybe uh, affect his poise. There's still another play to fight, and I don't think he's a quarterback that's going to give up even if he's down by 10. No, but it's a lot easier to do that when you know that your defense is not going to allow right. more than 20 points. On a day like today, I do think you have to look at Brock Purdy and say, hey man, like you have to recognize the situation a little bit. Okay, I know that you trust our defense and have reason to, but it's been a bit of a tough day. Right. And credit to Jared Stidham, credit to Devontae Adams, yeah. even credit, I hate to give it to him, but Josh McDaniels, <laughs> the Raiders made you work for it today. Yeah. And Brock Purdy, one more turnover in this game could have been the difference. And so I understand people saying that, yes, I, I love to see Brock, Brock Purdy sling it around the field and give no Fs. But in a game like this, in a tight game, and certainly there's going to be one in the postseason, maybe in the first round, who knows, you are going to have to give an F. You are going to have to throw that ball away instead of trying to dance and make an extra play because that might be the play that gets you beat. So that that's where I am curious what people think. And I want to start with Larry in the city who wants to talk about the game and maybe the surrounding situation that could have led to a three-point win for the 49ers. Larry, what's going on? You're on 95.7 The Game with hey. Sterling and Evan. Hey, what's going on, fellas? I, I watched the game, me and my wife, and it was a great game. you got to win games like that. I do think the defense partied a little bit, though. I ain't going to lie to you. Like, they were a step behind, a step slow. They were out of character. Uh, Warner grabbing face mask. It was like three other dudes there. You, you're not gonna make this play. Let it go. And then you get a, a, a pass interference. They just they were just off. I'll say this on your question. My confidence in the defense is D'Amico Ryan's recognized that his zone with the four rush wasn't working, and he started bringing pressure, which kind of helped us get back in the game, created some turnovers. So the ability to adjust um, in the game, I have confidence in. I think that I have – well, I know I have confidence in Brock Purdy. He's going to make those mistakes. Like, good quarterbacks are going to make those mistakes trying to be great. And that's what they all do. And so, yeah, I think also we've seen in this game that they're still not quite in sync like they should. I, I'm, I'm recalling the pass he threw to Kittle where he went to the outside. Kittle was looking inside, but the defender was inside. So Brock Purdy actually threw it where the defender wasn't. Had Kittle recognized that, it would have been a catch. Um, on that last play, too, I thought it was an excellent call uh, when IU called it, what it was should have went to Kittle, but it was just bad block and had the guy picked up the blitzer like he was supposed to. Kittle was running wide open. So there's things that in this game is going to happen. But Brock Purdy is anti-Jimmy. He doesn't get rattled. He don't get flustered. He doesn't have happy feet. He's okay with believing in himself and making these plays. And, and I think that's what us 49er fans are excited about because we hadn't seen it in such a long time. That's all I got, fellas. Thanks. Appreciate it, Larry. Good call. The I, anti-Jimmy. The anti-Jimmy. I, again, there were some throws today that he made, both good and bad, that I think if Jimmy Garoppolo makes, we might have opposite explanations for, which yep. is if Jimmy makes the throw into the back of the end zone rolling out, we're saying, well, I don't know if he meant to throw that ball to Kittle. It was Ray Ray McLeod. I think also if he throws that ball at the goal line that gets batted down in front of Kittle, we're saying, oh, my God, Jimmy, why would you make that throw? It's a no-no throw. It's a no-no throw. Now, the, now Brock Purdy has certainly demonstrated with his legs to be able to be you know, much more dynamic. He's not afraid to throw the ball down the field more. Mm-hmm. But, again, those 50-50 balls like the one that he got picked off on, 
that's a throw where I'm thinking either you better throw that ball earlier, you better have a better arm than Brock Purdy does, or you better not make that throw at all. Jimmy Garoppolo is not making that throw, so he's not even putting the ball in that situation. Brock Purdy, yes, you have the 50% chance of a 35-yard catch that puts you in the red zone. You also have the 50% chance of maybe Kittle doesn't make that play over a five foot eight cornerback who's ready to go up and make that play. That's where I think the difference is in this game, and we got to take a break. I see you, Cole, in Texas. We'll get to you on the other side, but I want to ask the people before we get the break, 888-957-9570, does a game like this make you feel more confident or more worried about the San Francisco 49ers? It's a brand-new year. It's a brand-new day. They won the game nine in a row, 37-34, their first overtime game of the year, their first win in overtime this season. They beat the Raiders 37-34 and have now secured, well, at least for now, the two-seed in the NFC heading into the final week of the regular season. Where are you at with the 49ers? Evan Giddings and Sterling Bennett, we're going to keep it going for another couple hours. We'll discuss on the other side on 95.7 The Game. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Third and goal, empty backfield. Spins out of the pocket. Throwing back of the end. It's caught. And the toe tap by George Kittle. Gets the 49ers the lead. No way. Now back to 95-7 the game. Evan Giddings, Sterling Bennett in for Kyle Madsen, Allen Styles overtime, 95-7 the game. That was the second score, which felt like Sterling about two days ago in which the 49ers scored from two yards out. Brock Purdy to George Kittle. They win the game in overtime, 37-34. to I mean, we talk about a marathon of a season. That was a marathon of a game. And for it, be, for it to be the first one of 2023, I don't know if it's a tone setter, but the 49ers got, still got a lot ahead of them. And I, I, like, I need a cigarette after that game. It felt like that game started in 2022 and ended this year. <laughs> it just felt like that. Like... Every drive was a new twist, a new turn, a new chapter to how this game was going to unfold. It seemed like it was either a Niners field goal, then a Raiders touchdown, uh, a Raiders touchdown, then a Niners touchdown is back and forth all day. It was overtime. It was field goals. It just felt like this game was chaotic. And I can argue that 
this might have been the best case scenario for San Francisco. That you now have this game, you can look at, take a step back, and, and you can look at maybe how you were exposed by a backup quarterback that had weapons at his disposal, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs. Like They have the weaponry to beat any team. Now, why they're six and ten now? I think we know why it's the Raiders. They haven't had, you know, they have some issues. But again, you can take a step back and look at this game and go, going into the playoffs now, you are cemented as at least number three seed, maybe the number two seed. You can now say, what do we still need to work on? Where can we clean things up to then go into that one and done tournament in two weeks? and try to make things or clean things up and go on this hopeful long run to get you a Lombardi. Yeah, I'll I'll say this. If you are Brock Purdy and you're making your fourth start, four and three quarters, you've won all of them. And I believe he's the first quarterback to do that as a rookie since Ben Roethlisberger. Wow. That is high praise. Ben Roethlisberger's on his way to Canton. He's going to the Hall of Fame. But Brock Purdy has not been in a late-game pressure-filled situation yet in which you got to drive your team down the field in a game-winning situation. Now, I know it took overtime. I know it took a interception at the beginning of overtime, turned to a, into a gimme field goal. But Brock Purdy did, with a minute and 11 and two timeouts left, lead his team down the field. Yes, it's against a Las Vegas Raiders team that a lot of people have written off. Yes, it's in the second-to-last game of the regular season in which you've already penciled your postseason berth. But it's a scenario in which you're probably going to have to come through in the postseason. And so to say that this isn't a valuable experience for Brock Purdy, I think would be doing a disservice to him. Because you might say, well, they shouldn't have even been in that spot. They're a 10-point favorite. They should have killed the Raiders. Yeah, but they didn't. And they still found a way to win the game. I do think that is something you can take as a positive even if, again, you can look at these Brock Purdy throws in some of them and say, what are you doing? You know, why are you throwing that football? You don't have the arm to make that, to make that throw. Or why are you looking in this spot? You should have been looking over here. You maybe missed this read. You maybe missed that read. Okay, over the course of a football game, you're going to make 10 to 15 mistakes no matter what. And if Brock Purdy is going to be able to at least have the confidence in himself, knowing he can fall back on an experience like this one in the future. He was on the road. I know it was a mostly 49ers house today at Allegiant, <laughs> but he was technically on the road. It's not a playoff setting yet. But if he, if you're telling me that there's a future situation in which he's got to make a two-minute drive, either at the half or at the end of a game where you need points, okay, well, at least Brock Purdy's got something in his own mind to fall back on. Like, Fred Warner's got something to fall back on. Nick Bosa's obviously been there. Trent Williams has been there. Kyle Shanahan's been there. D'Amico Ryans has been there. But Brock Purdy has not yet been in a situation like this. And so I do think you can say and have confidence in saying that Brock Purdy got us a win in a game that was in the balance, even if it's against a six-win Raiders team. If I asked you, has Brock Purdy checked every box that would potentially make you worried about him come playoff time, would I be wrong? He's beaten one of the best offenses in football in the Dolphins, beat a top 10 defense, went on the road and got you a win late in overtime against the Raiders team, who I get aren't great, but hasn't he done everything you might have said, that worries me, hasn't he proven he can do that stuff? I think so, well, yes, he's a 7th round pick, he's going to make mistakes, he's a rookie, those things are going to happen, a.k.a. The pick to Kittle today. Yep. 
That stuff's gonna happen. He's gonna he's gonna make mistakes next week and come playoff time. That stuff's gonna happen against a better defense. That's how the NFL works. We know this stuff. But I do think come round one, hey, maybe even round two if you get the number one seed in the playoffs, I don't think I'd be worried about Brock Purdy. At least in regards to what he's shown me, he can do this. And he's proven that thus far. We got you for at least 90 more minutes here on Overtime. Evan Giddings and Sterling Bennett in for Kyle Madsen and Alan Styles. We want to hear from you. Okay, what did you take from this game? What did you take away from what you saw from Brock Purdy? What did you take away from what you saw from the defense? The offensive line? Special teams? We want to hear from you. 888-957-9570 is the phone number. Also the number for the Xfinity Mobile text line. Let's go out to Texas. All the way... In the Southwest, Texas. Cole is in Texas, wants to talk about the 49ers and their defense. Cole, what did you see today? You're on 95-7 the game. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Of course. I mean, overall confidence, just to, to answer the first question from the previous segment, I mean, confidence, I'm still high on them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize this. It's kind of like the Miami Beach effect. When you go to Vegas, you're in Vegas, Sin City, it's New Year's, even though Kittle posted that tweet about staying in, blah, blah, blah. I'm still confident in them where no matter where they play, whether in Oakland or in Vegas, the Raiders are going to play the Niners tough. Simple as that. They're always going to play them tough. And then also, ask yourself this. If Jimmy is, is still playing, does he make those throws? Does he win those games? I personally think, no. That's, that's just not going to happen, but my confidence is still high. I think they overlook the Raiders a little bit, especially what's going on with, with their organization. But I still think, you know, they're still playoff bound, Super Bowl bound. There's no one in the NFC right now that I'm personally afraid of. That's just it. Not even the Eagles. Wow. Eagles lost today. Yeah, it's Gardner Minshew. But that being said, number one seed, baby. It's still there. Yeah, it, it's within the cards. Sure, you need some help. You need the Eagles to lose. You need the Vikings to, yeah, well, lost today. to win or lose. 40 burger. you got to get your own way. you got to take care of business against Arizona. Okay, let us remember that this was a blip on the radar <laughs> and not something that is going to have you stumbling into the postseason. Okay, the Las Vegas Raiders, sure, they, they had a quarterback who no one was making his first start in the NFL. Okay, well, you'd say, up until Brock Purdy, actually, I might say, <laughs> you know, well, that's that's kind of a... You know, disparaging comment. It's right. making his first start. Well, Brock Purdy made his first start. Beat the GOAT. Beat Don Brady. So, right now, the 49ers, they're in the two seed. They're in the driver's seat. They, they determine their own destiny when it comes to how many home games they want in the playoffs. And, of course, they have the outside chance at the bye. The Philadelphia Eagles right now, I cannot judge without Jalen Hurts at the, right. as, at the quarterback. Even Lane Johnson's out. They aren't the same team. Lane, Johnson, Lane Johnson's not out. Lane Johnson. <laughs> Freudian slip there. <laughs> but the 49ers also were dealt some injuries, too, today. Yeah. We were listening to Kyle Shanahan after the game, gave a couple of updates. Aaron Banks, MCL. He was grabbing his knee when he left the field. According to Sterling, it sounds like if that's an Elijah yeah. Mitchell injury, that's six to eight weeks, that's your season. Man. That's, your, that's your starting guard. And that's a guy who's been really good for you this year. He was the biggest surprise this year, I think, for many fans. Yeah. Until Brock Purdy. Well, him and him and Burford, yeah. both unknowns on the interior. And they have been damn good offensive linemen. Rock solid this year for this. Like I think many fans would have said the offensive line was the bigger question. How do you protect Trey? Sure. Then it was how do you protect Jimmy? Then it was 
well, now we can't protect these guys because Banks and Burford and Brendel, the law firm, they have or had solidified the offensive line where, hey, your biggest concern might be McGlinchey. And he was great today. Max Crosby was pretty much rendered useless in this game for the most part. Like, we have to give credit where it's due. McGlinchey was really good today. Now, Trent Williams, he had those two penalties, and that will cause some problems. Gave Raiders a touchdown. But, again, I, I do think this team, whether it's the Eagles or the Cowboys or the Vikings, I don't fear a team in the NFC, but I'll tell you what I don't want to do. I still, even after this game, with Brock Purdy gaining confidence and a new experience for him, I still do not want to go to Philadelphia. That pass rush is incredible. That defense is solid. I know the offense is hurting. Who are they? We don't know without Jalen Hurts and Lane Johnson. But if you can somehow avoid going on the road in the playoffs as in its entirety, and then traveling to Arizona, if you can get that far, that's a big win for San Francisco on top of potentially winning 10 straight games to end your year, but you have nine right now, and I, I think this is a great win for this team. You go back to the drawing board and say, where can we tighten things up? And I think that's where the fan base, in my opinion, should be right now. Before this game, if you're looking at the win streak that the 49ers are on, since they lost to the Chiefs in Week 7, the most they've been tested is probably the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, at this point, that's the only team that's currently locked into a playoff yeah. spot that they've beaten. I think you could also throw the Saints into that game. You only scored 13 points. They were knocking on the door down the stretch. Could have made it a closer game than it was. Beat the Eagles today. They, they beat the Eagles today. Saints are not a bad football team. But there hadn't been a game on the schedule in which the 49ers were really tested. And again, you can say, well, why were they tested against the Las Vegas Raiders in the second to last week of the year in which the Raiders are done? They're bringing in their backup quarterback. Why were they tested? Well, the fact of the matter is they were, and they won the game. Now, if you want to use that as a reason of why you don't think they can win at all, I'll hear you. Yeah. But if you also want to use it as a reason to why they can battle through adversity, I'm also willing to hear that. I think it leans that way more, though, right? Where they can fight through adversity because they've shown that for, what, three out of the last four years? Last year was plenty of adversity. You're three and five. This year, you're three and four, and I get it. It's not as hard as three and five, and you won nine straight games where there hasn't been as much adversity as last year. But even in 2019, you had to play the Saints on the road, the Ravens on the road. Like, there was even a time when this team was 13 and three where you said they had to fight through some adversity. But I think right now, you can argue which teams are better and whatnot, and, and where does San Francisco, you know, stand against the rest of the NFC and the NFL, and and you can find a slot for them, which might not be where someone else might find their slot for San Francisco. But I don't see how you leave this game leaning towards I don't know if they can win it all when you left last week with a lot of confidence saying this team should be, if not is, right behind Philadelphia as a top seed in the NFC. Like I, I think this game makes. Maybe it's because Philadelphia lost and the Vikings got their butt kicked tonight. But I think I have more confidence in them now than last week. And that's what we want to hear from the fans. 888-957-9570. Sterling Bennett and Evan Giddings on with you for at least another hour here on 95.7 The Game. Overtime filling in for Kyle Madsen and Alan Stiles. Do you feel more or less confident after the game today? 37-34, overtime victory, New Year's Day at Las Vegas. Do you feel more or less confident in the 49ers' Super Bowl aspirations. Let's see if San Leandro and Roy has an answer to the question. Roy wants to talk about, looks like, Brock Purdy. Shocker. 
Man of the day, man of the hour. Roy, what's going on? You're almost Sterling and Evan. How are you? Hey, how's it going, fellas? Boy, you guys have made some great points, both of you. I have to give you a a number A1 rating all across the country. A1 stick sauce. uh, Anyway, uh, I just wanted to say, you're right. The uh, 49ers uh, need to tighten it kind of up because, like, say, for example, it's going to be hard fault in the playoffs. But if they could get to the Super Bowl, what scares me is that can they really beat Kansas City or Buffalo? Because you got to remember those teams are those teams are heavy offensive clubs, and you know, like what I'm saying is that the, the reason the Chiefs was able to beat the 49ers was because they kept throwing the ball at a guy named Kelsey. Those receivers they would and see. I don't know if the 49ers could keep up with those guys. They're pretty fast, and like they know how to score points, and that. That guy, you know, uh, that coach, you know, he desires excellent plays. So if the 49ers are real good, everybody talk about their defense. Can they stop Buffalo? Can they stop Kansas City? I know that's a lot of ifs, but, you know, they, you know, I'm not going to say the 49ers are not good. Why do you think fans call all, all over the place across the country asking about them and talking about them like that guy in Texas? But what I am saying, I'm looking at the reality of it, like both of you do. They need to tighten their offense, just like the guy kept on making those uh, plays and get called for those fines. Uh, you know, number 54, I, I forgot his name. Fred like, Warner? You know, when yeah, he, Warner. Right, him. Right, exactly. Well, you can't do that late in the game. Shanahan and his coaches need to kind of come down on him about that if they expect to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, and we can't say enough about McCaffrey, you know. So what I'm saying overall is the 49ers got the team to go, but they need to put themselves under scrutiny because, like, anybody could have a, uh, you know, have a bad game like the way they had. And it was, to me, I'd have to say overall, it was, uh, uh, this probably was the best game of the, of the year. Appreciate that, Roy. No, I, I'm with you, and that, I think that's a great point to end on. This was the most entertaining game that the 49ers have played this year. I don't oh, know if you would have liked it to well, be that it's entertaining. It's the only one. I'm sorry. Well, they, they, they played in close games this year. Right, right. And they are now technically, in one-score games, 3-1 and one this year. This game is as close as you can get to being humbled without getting a loss. And I think that might have been the perfect outcome because, yeah. yes, you got humbled. You can go back to the drawing board and see where you're at, reevaluate some things, whether it's offensively or defensively, but you still got the win. You moved up in the NFC playoff seating. You have a chance for the number one seed in the NFC, barring some help from the Giants next week. Like, this is as close as you can get to being humbled without losing the game. And sometimes you just need some luck. And I think today, there may, luck may have been on... San Francisco's side. Like, yes, you miss a kick, but then you get a pick in overtime. Like, a lot of things didn't go their way, especially defensively, but the offense was great today. Like, I did not fear them not being able to put up points. Yes, there was a pick, and yes, there were some drives, penalties that killed some drives, but my fear wasn't, can they not put up points? It was, can this defense stop Jared Stidham for once, please? And uh, thankfully, late in the game, they did that. Thank you, Nick Bosa. No, if you want to point fingers at anyone, it would be at the defense. And, and I guarantee you, it's like we're seeing people come to the podium, you know, whoever comes to the podium on defense is going to point the finger at themselves. Yeah. And they should. You give up 500 yards of offense 
to the Las Vegas Raiders. Last time he gave up 500 yards of offense so was to the Kansas City Chiefs. So now, that, that's acceptable. Right. He gave up 500 yards of offense to a backup quarterback. That's something that demands you to look inward. And I'm sure D'Amico Ryans will be doing it this entire week and really the next couple of weeks leading up to the postseason. If we're talking about a defense that, yeah, Fred Warner, he led the, led the 49ers with 12 tackles today. Well, I'd, I'd ask you, hey, Fred, second half, Hunter Renfro, third and long, screen pass. Why don't you just let him go? You don't have to rip his face mask. Right. Next play, 60-yard touchdown, Devontae Adams. That hurts you. Fred Warner, in the end zone. I know he didn't feel like he committed a defensive pass interference call on Darren Waller. But it was called. You made the play. It was thrown. Next play, Josh Jacobs, touchdown, tie ball game. That four, They put a lot of pressure on their offense today. Now, the offense answered the bell. But when the defense has a bad day against a good team, I think that's what a lot of people are wondering right now is, okay, are they going to be able, in a day where they don't have their best foot forward, to beat a quality football team that is a postseason or even Super Bowl contender? That's what they're going to have to do. And I think that's where people are trying to figure out, hey, look, it might just be a one-game write-off. Again, you won the game. You won the game in which you didn't play well on defense. You're now the second seed in the NFC, and we're going to go through all the good things that they did do. But if we're going to point fingers, it's got to start with the defense. San Francisco, they essentially went half a season dominating the entire NFL. And at each half point, what did they do? They had a clunker. I could ask you, does the defense now go on an eight-game dominant streak again? Now, they don't have to, essentially. Well, they they might need to. Well, I mean, they're not going to have to do it for eight more weeks. It'll be, what, six, seven maybe, I guess. But it's not like this defense is going to... Like, leaving this game, the defense no longer, to me, has to be perfect. Like, when you have a seventh-round pick, Mr. Relevant, Brock Purdy, who has amazed us and done so many things nobody expected, I do think fans were like, okay, the defense has to be perfect. The expectation was... Just let the defense carry you. How far can the defense carry you? And we've seen some great stuff, but I do think that conversation may be starting to shift a little bit where it's like, okay, like, the defense doesn't have to carry you as much. The offense can actually go out there, win you a game, which I don't think many people would have said with some of the other, the other quarterbacks in the room this year because the offense has looked better with them or with Brock Purdy than, than the other guys. So... I do wonder if fans leave this game thinking, okay, the defense must be perfect, or do they leave the game saying the offense can actually carry the load if need be come playoff time? Well, let's see what George from the Jungle wants to talk about, because it looks like we're going to take this thing back to the offense, and of course, we got another hour to talk about this on overtime. Sterling Bennett, Evan Giddings filling in for Kyle Madsen and Alan Stiles here on 95.7 The Game. George, you're up next. What's going on, man? What did you see from the game today? Gentlemen, I saw a game that gave me heart palpitations. <laughs> the, the thing that I hated about it, though, is it looks like Kyle Shanahan has found a brand new shiny toy and he's trying to break it. Why do we have six or seven naked boots when it's obviously not clicking? You know, I can see coming out and doing a naked bootleg, it goes for 60 yards, and you're like, good play. But when you continue to go back to it when it's not working, you're going to get somebody hurt. Yeah, no, good good point, George. I see what you're saying. And look, I don't think there's a bigger example of that than on the final drive. 
second-to-last play before the missed field goal, where we're, we're both looking at each other. We're watching the game, Sterling. We're saying, all right, you just hit Brandon Ayuk three different times, 12 yards, boom, 18 yards, boom. Missed play, or uh, missed throw to Christian McCaffrey, 11 yards back to Ayuk, boom. Second time out. All right, run the football, kick the field goal. Right. Instead, it's a play-action rollout to his left, so he's got the blind side <laughs> to the pass rusher coming from from his weak side, and he almost gets hit, almost turns over the football, a prayer, a three flags up, 50-50 ball goes in the air, and thankfully lands in the arms of Brandon Ayuk to set up what ended up being a missed field goal, but it could have been the game-winning kick. That's a play where I am looking at Kyle Shanahan, and I am saying, hey, man, what, what, why are you trying to remake the wheel here? Well, that's... And it's funny because early, coming into this game, the Raiders didn't have their top cornerback. Their second cornerback got hurt, and my first reaction was attack. Like, you can attack these young cornerbacks now. Do that stuff. And he didn't do it. But late in the game, you just need a field goal. Like, this is the time to get conservative. Run the football, get you your spot, and win the game. And, I mean, hey, thankfully it didn't turn out what could have been interception, end of drive. Now, they didn't score anyways, but... That could have been so much worse, and unfortunately, I wouldn't put that on Purdy. I would not put that on Ayuk. I would say, Kyle, what are you doing? This is as simple as up the middle, in between the tackles, get a field goal, and go home with the win. I know you have a timeout there, so technically if you take the sack, you still have a chance to improve your field goal position. But if you're already in a spot where you're... Comfortable with it. But Okay, so you, you get the 11 yards to make it a potential game winner from 41. Right. That means you're, you're about 50 yards. Right. So if you do take a sack there, you're going to need another play to get back into better field goal range for Robbie Gould. Why even risk it? Why put the, why not put the ball on the ground, put it in Christian McCaffrey's hand, who on that drive, or pardon me, on the drive before, got you in a position to score, who has been your best playmaker yeah, since you acquired him. Yeah, six and a half yards on the ground today. Why not just give it to him? Right. Even with Las Vegas selling out for the run. Okay, that means that they're going to bring extra pressure. The one thing you cannot do is take a sack or turn the ball over. Both of those options were on the table on that play. And... I mean, I don't know if they were trying to go for it all and maybe end the game right there, but you didn't need to, and it didn't look like they were trying to. It looked like Kyle Shanahan, and to, to Brock Purdy's credit, he made a play. Ayuk made a better one to go up and get that ball, high points it, comes down with it. But that did feel like a play where if that happens in the playoffs, people might look at Kyle Shanahan and saying you're trying to get too cute. And that's happened how many times now? You know better than I. Almost every single time he's been in the playoffs, it's a fourth and one. Where's Debo at? We'll give it to Juszczyk. Then it's a punt. Or it's Super Bowl and you're up by 10 and you get cute and things go crazy. Like, we know Kyle Shanahan at times does have a tendency to either get too rigid or become too aggressive when he shouldn't. Like, the like, like the questions I had with Brock Purdy, while still exist, have minimalized over the what the last five weeks. The questions I have about Kyle Shanahan come playoff time do still exist despite the success he's had this year. Like, he should be in the coach of the year conversation. But that being said, Definitely. Infor- but unfortunately for Kyle Shanahan, I've seen this over and over and over again. And where I haven't seen maybe the should be success is come playoff time. And I think that's where I'm going to need to see it more so this year than ever.
Coach of the Year, regular season award. Let's put it right there. Right. Uh, let's go out. Let's hit before we hit a break. I know we got one coming up now. We got you for about another hour here on overtime. Evan getting Sterling Bennett in for Kyle Madsen, pardon me, along with Alan Styles here on ninety five seven. The game. Let's go out to Phoenix. Lori wants to talk about the 49ers today, and uh, Lori is a fan favorite here at the station. Lori, Lori what's going on? What did you see from the game today? Hi guys. So I mean, not exactly what we were expecting. But I will say, you know, backup quarterbacks have come in and given the 49ers a hard time in the past. You know, we played terribly against the Cardinals and Colt McCoy last year, too. So, you know, part of that's that. I think some of it might have been they were just the defense was just a little too excited and they, you know, made some mistakes. I mean, there was definitely um, blown coverages out there. But I will say, you know, the Raiders, I don't think, are as bad as they look on paper. Um, you know, they played really well against the Chiefs. They, they only lost that game by a point. So they played well against the Vikings. They played well against the Chargers, the Titans. They played some really bad games, and they've lost some games that they shouldn't have. So they're just super inconsistent. But the roster itself, I think, is still a good team. And, you know, we went against some guys today, and, you know, Devontae Adams and Darren Waller that maybe the Niners haven't seen this year. So it's a good time. If you're going to have a test and you're going to have some – you're going to bend. You know, I mean, they, they did a little more than bend today, but they didn't lose the game, which – didn't affect their seating. So if you're going to have that, this is a good time to have it because I think sometimes the defense might be a little overconfident. And this is a good humbling experience for them to say, you know what, we're going into the playoffs. We've got to tighten up here. What are we going to do better? And I think they've got the roster. They've got the people on the roster. So I'm not that concerned about that. I will say Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk on the offensive side. I mean, like, wow. You know, this is just, I'm so glad they made that trade for McCaffrey. And um, I will say also Purdy, you know, granted, you know, he didn't have his best day, but he's showing that he can do the things that he needs to do. So I still think that next week we're going to, we're going to beat the, the Cardinals. I don't, I don't really have any concerns about that. And then we'll see where the seeding goes. But I mean, if you can have the good seeding, you're in great shape going into the playoffs. So, you know, hopefully the Banks injury isn't as bad as it was because that's very concerning. Hopefully you're going to get Debo back. You know, I think this team just needs to just do some tightening up. And some reflection. This is a great game for some film to look back on and say, okay, what did we do? Where did we lose it? Where did we, you know, but the fact that they came out on top, even though Robbie missed that field goal in regulation, the fact that they were able to come out, get the interception, and win that game says a lot for this team. Thanks, Lori. No, she's right. Look, you battled a lot of adversity today. Maybe for the first time this year, you dug yourself a 10 foot hole. I guess it was a 10-point hole. You dug yourself out of it, and if there was a time to do it, this would be the time. But we got to hit a break. I see you, Tim, in in L.A. I see you, Pat, in Foster City. Uh, Next, we're going to move on to, look, we pointed some fingers at the defense. I do want to get to the offense. And anything else you guys want to talk about? What made you feel more confident in this team today? What made you feel less confident when it comes to the Super Bowl aspirations that this 49ers team has now as the two-seed in the NFC? They've won nine in a row. They beat the Raiders in overtime today, 37-34 at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. How are you feeling after the win? 888-957-9570. Evan Giddings and Sterling Bennett back on overtime after this on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Mason who gets that hand off. Mason picks his way up field. Mason dragging down to the goal line. Touchdown, San Francisco. His first career touchdown. Gets now the 49ers to 95-7. The game. You heard that on the Fox Sports broadcast. Jordan Mason's first career touchdown. Sterling Bennett could not come at a better time for the San Francisco 49ers. When you talk about this team, and Elijah Mitchell may come back, next week, or as soon as next week, the window is going to be open for his return, hopefully this week, per Kyle Shanahan, this could have been Jordan Mason's last opportunity to make a statement, or at least to get his first touchdown of the season. Now, if they're up big, maybe he gets in next week, or if Mitchell isn't activated, he gets in next week, but for him, an undrafted free agent rookie to come in here, and, and we've seen it plenty of times under Kyle Shanahan, but for him, in Week 17 might be his last game of the regular season for him, to get his first rushing touchdown in a much-needed rushing touchdown in this game, it's huge. Like, talk about building confidence. How about that for him? Like, that's got to be, like, he's going home saying, Mom, Dad, I got my first touchdown. Oh, my goodness, it was against the Raiders. We won. It was crazy. It's New Year's Day. Like, he's feeling pretty good right now, along with his teammates, after a 37-34 to win victory. Yeah, and especially because, what, a couple weeks ago, was it against Tampa Bay, he had the long run against Seattle. Against Seattle, he had the long run at the end of the game, in which he fell just short, a yard short. <laughs> and they just kneeled it and said, "Game over." <laughs> they kneeled it, took the victory, moved on. So Jordan Mason, Mason uh, gets some redemption. This was really a game of redemption for a lot of people, considering yeah. the amount of mistakes that were made, the amount of mistakes that were overcome. Overall, ninth win in a row for the San Francisco 49ers. They defeat the Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas, 37-34 in OT. They're now the two seed, as we talked about before the break. Speaking of Seattle, they would be facing the Seahawks if the season ended today. They would be hosting the Seattle Seahawks in a playoff game. That sounds pretty good to me. you got two home games in hands as it stands. A win next week guarantees you at least that with an outside shot at the one seed if you're looking ahead for the 49ers. But I want to get back to the phone line, Sterling. And this has been a show for the people. Overtime, we're filling in for Kyle Madsen and Alan Stiles here on 95.7 The Game. we got about an hour left in the program. So get your calls in, 
877-957-9570. The theme of the show is, do you feel more or less confident in the 49ers after the result today? And I want to go from the Bay to L.A. We're going to start with Tim. Tim wants to talk about what he saw today from the 49ers. Tim, what's going on, man? You're on with Sterling Bennett and Evan Giddings here on 95.7 The Game. Big Ev. My uh, man. Thanks for taking my call. And uh, I'm not sure if you guys already touched on that tuning in a little late, but uh, something that gives me a shot of confidence from today is really the connection between Ayuk and Purdy. Because, uh, you know, with Debo out, Ayuk's really seem to be stepping up. And what I'm kind of worried about in the future is against some of these playoff caliber teams, um, if we were getting a shootout or we get down, are we going to have the firepower to come back? Not only just to come back, but to try to keep up with them. And, you know, especially with Debo out right now, Ayuk's really stepping up. He, you know, 11 receptions, 100 yards today. I mean, have a day. You know, Yushek can get his touches with McCaffrey's inconsistent, Kittle with big plays. And so I'm just really getting a shot of confidence from the IU connection day and how he stepped up. Appreciate it, Tim. Good call. No, I, I'm with you right there, man. I, I do think that if you're looking at the offense, you're looking for reasons to feel confident in the ability to come back in a football game. Obviously, you saw it today, but could you do it against Dallas? Could you do it against Philly? Could you do it against Minnesota? I think we saw the connection between Brock Purdy and Brandon Ayuk established really in that one drive. Look, he had 62 yards on that final drive with 111 left to set up the would-be game-winning field goal. 62 of his 101 yards on the game. Brock Purdy to Ayuk is a connection that does appear reliable when you got to have it, and that should give you confidence. Since Brock Purdy took over as quarterback against Miami, Brandon Ayuk targeted 35 times. I believe he has... 23 receptions and is averaging over 60 yards per game like he has become receiver number one for this offense and that's even with Debo Samuel on the field and Debo didn't even play today I do think if Debo Samuel plays today this game might be entirely different where maybe you aren't as worried or you have this like McCaffrey was money he was the firecracker he he was untouchable for the offense but if you had in Debo a physically dominant presence Next to Kittle, who has, what, five touchdowns in his last three games? Like, I do, like, I understand when fans say, we may not be able to come back. Like, can this team come back in a big game in the playoffs? This team at least has the firepower to do so. And with the quarterback playing well, Kittle's having his best year of his entire career. Ayuk's having a career year as well. And no Debo and the Mitchell might come back. Like, like this team got the win, but I could argue that we have not at least in this game we didn't see it but come playoff time this offense is going to have even more firepower and they put up 37 points last week and 37 points this week 74 combined points in two weeks i'll take that any day of the week and if you want to play devil's advocate you say okay well you're playing against the raiders a secondary that's been getting beat down the field all season long they suck hasn't been able to stop anybody And Brandon Ayuk took advantage of him when you needed to. But again, you had to have it. So that's a point that Tim from L.A., i got to give a shout-out to him. He's my boy since going way back in the day. Great chatter, Timmy. Love to hear it. Talking about the Ayuk-Purdy connection. And he also brought the other name, which we haven't really spent a whole lot of time on, Sterling. And that is is Christian McCaffrey. And this guy, I I think we have seen a glimpse into how Shanahan wants to at least start every football game. If we're talking about the first 24 plays, the scripted plays that Shanahan's putting out each week, I'm imagining at least half of them are going to be first option Christian McCaffrey, whether it be on the ground or a dump off, pass downfield. Christian McCaffrey is the safety blanket for Brock Purdy. And if we're talking about reasons why a guy has to get settled into a football game, 
Well, you saw it a couple weeks ago on Thursday night against Seattle when he got nine of the first 12 plays. This week against Las Vegas, it was Christian McCaffrey early and often to make sure that Brock Purdy couldn't get unsettled. I don't even think that's a Brock Purdy thing, though. Because go back to when Jimmy was playing against the Cardinals in Mexico City. What did Shanahan do? A large dose of Christian McCaffrey early, hopefully get a big lead, then let Elijah Mitchell come in and be that that bell cow, run the clock off, right? I do think without Mitchell, it changes some things, but I do think Kyle Shanahan says early, if I can maybe attack a defense quickly, get my best playmaker, Christian McCaffrey, not Debo Samuel, the football, early and often, that will change how this game is played. That will allow me late into the game after running down and, and just grinding out offensive drives with McCaffrey, hitting big play after big play, six yards of carry almost in this game. Like, that wears down an opposing defense. And late in the game, you just do whatever you want. You can establish the Kyle Shanahan you know, run play action offense that he likes to do. And Chris McCaffrey, I can argue, he might be the biggest, I don't want to say role player, but he might be, he might play the biggest role in establishing Kyle Shanahan's offense. Not just every game, but I can argue that he's doing it day in, day out. And for Shanahan, I do think it has unlocked another element to his offense he hasn't seen before. Well, speaking of running the football, look, the 49ers did a pretty decent job of that today. Look, they got 170 on the ground, and we're looking at McCaffrey, 19 totes, 121, six and a half yards of carry, like you mentioned, a touchdown. Ayuk on an end around for 16 yards. And we're looking at Jordan Mason, who, of course, got his first touchdown, 14 yards for him. Kyle Juszczyk had a carry that actually, speaking of the carry, <laughs> it did remind me just how many 49ers fans there were today. Yeah. Because you could hear the Jews <laughs> pumping through Allegiant Stadium when he got that one nine-yard carry. But one thing that also stood out to me when it comes to running the football was how well the Las Vegas Raiders ran the football in the 49ers today. And that was for 137 yards. Josh Jacobs is certainly no... No, 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 no slouch. But Brandon Bolden, four yards on the ground. Jacobs a little bit over four yards per carry. Stidham using his legs for seven for 34. This was the first team, Sterling, that ran the football for over 80 yards since the Kansas City Chiefs did it against the San Francisco 49ers. So again, you might be able to say, hey, this is just a bad day. But they did have their full cast of characters out there, and they got punched in the mouth on the ground. Every time San Francisco's defense, I believe, has given up over 24 points this year, the opposing offense has had, I believe, over 100 yards rushing. Falcons, 28 points. Chiefs, 40-plus. This game, 34. It feels like if you are going to beat San Francisco's defense, you are going to have to establish the run and do it successfully. Now, the beautiful thing is, is that most teams have not been able to do that, whether it's the Saints or the Dolphins, like... They have played some teams that have good running backs or good running games, but and I do think that is where, if you ask me, hey, they're playing Dallas in the playoffs, I would not fear playing Zeke or Pollard because San Francisco has the number one rushing defense, maybe not after this game, but had the number one rushing defense in football, or playing Green Bay, who has Aaron Jones and Dylan, or even the Vikings, who have Cook. Yeah. Like They have shown the ability to shut down the best running backs in football, but today you have to give the Raiders credit. Josh Jacobs was great in this game. Stidham was great in this game. Like, Laurie said it from Phoenix, the Niners have not played an offense that has this many weapons 
since that Chiefs game. Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs, not many teams can say they have four legitimate offensive weapons, and I do think that going into the playoffs, you're going to play the Dallases and Philadelphia. You might even get the Giants. Like Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James Jr., Like those guys <laughs> are big names, but they're putting up numbers. Yeah, And I do think that this was the best thing that could happen to this team. A bunch of big-name offensive weapons went on your defense, put up big yards, big points, and you stood your ground and you won the game. Yeah, I do think if, you're, if you are looking for a silver lining, it is that. Like, if this is the worst game that you've played in the last two and a half months, you still won the game. And to Lori's point, Las Vegas has made a consistent, I don't know if it's a theme, but they have made a habit out of dragging teams into the mud with them. Mm-hmm. Or under the Allegiant Stadium turf, which apparently, according to sources, was kind of painted over some of the dirt today. I don't know how good of or good of not it was a playing surface it was yeah. today. Who knows if that had to do with... It's better in Carolina. They're getting sued. But. It, it was. <laughs> but Aaron Banks, unfortunately, goes down today with a knee injury. Who knows if it does or doesn't happen on normal turf. Uh, Drake Greenlaw, gets de- you know, he gets dealt a, a back injury. There are going to be further tests done on him. We do know, Sterling, that is an MCL for Aaron Banks, which would typically point to six to eight weeks which would point to maybe he's back by the Super Bowl, if you get there, of course. Right. Would it be crazy to say that I'm more worried about Greenlaw's injury than Banks' injury? Like, Oh, I'm totally with you. I thought Brunskill was well, especially fine. Especially if you look at the defense today. Right. And, like, Brunskill, he's been there. He's done, He started last year the entire year at right guard. Like, he's not someone I go, okay, well, you're going to your third-string offensive lineman. Like, I'm like Brunskill, in my opinion, should have been starting at right guard to begin the year, but he was hurt. So, like, you're essentially putting a starter in for a starter. Now, I get it. You don't want to lose Banks. He's been great all year long, but the Greenlaw one to me is more concerning. Now, it's good news. He got up, went off the field on his own two feet, jogged off. He seemed to be moving just fine. Like, it didn't seem. I'm, I'm hoping it's just a strain where it's one week off. You maybe don't need him next week against the Cardinals, who may start McCoy or Trace McSorley, whoever it is. Like, I don't think next week would be a killer, but you need him back against whether it's the Giants and Saquon Barkley or it's Seattle and you know, Kenneth, Kenneth Walker the third, like whoever it is, you need Drake Greenlaw back out there. From the Xfinity Mobile text line, I think the 49ers D was hung over and had to muster up all the energy they had to get the win. Could have been the case. I don't see the 49ers as that kind of team. If anything, you'd think the Las Vegas Raiders would be that kind of team, and they showed up earlier than the 49ers did. From the 6-3-6, how can the team generate more consistent pressure from the defensive line not named Nick Bosa? Great question. He had five of the nine quarterback hits today for the 49ers who did did not, as a team, collect a sack. And it sounds like Pat from from Foster City, pardon me, Pat, Pat from Foster City wants to talk about some of those struggles up front from the 49ers and the defensive line. Pat, what's going on? You're on with Sterling Bennett and Evan Giddings on 95.7 The Game. Thanks for taking the call, and Happy New Year. You too, man. Yeah, you know, it seems like I was most disappointed with the defensive line against the Raiders. I just, you know, it seemed like the whole first half we were always in second and four, third and one, you know, where the Raiders could mix it up, pass, run. But in the second half, we got them in a couple second and tens, you know, third and 11 or third and 12. And, you know, you got to, you know, they're going to pass. And still, we just didn't get that pass rush. It seemed like the outside edges guys were getting kind of pushed outside and the inside guys were getting occupied and 
the quarterback for the Raiders, you know, he, he, he ran right up the middle, but no one even near him for 10, 15 yards. He's not the fastest guy, but he still was getting, seemed like 10 yards a clip, or he would just step up and throw it. And we just didn't have the pass rush. And, and given that the defensive line is finally kind of getting healthy, uh, I don't know how the Raiders' offensive line stands up against the league. I don't know if they're – my guess is they're probably average, but I, I could be wrong. But I, I think it can only get harder for them. And we, we just didn't put the pass rush that I was expecting. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Pat. I think part of that, too, is the Raiders ran the football really well. And when a team establishes the run early in the game – you're not allowed to get as downhill as you would like. You can't pin your ears back as much as you'd be able to do. The other part of it, too, was the 49ers, for the first time since Brock Purdy's taken over at quarterback, did not play with a lead for much of the game. So, oh, really, until the end there. So you're looking at a defensive line that has to worry for maybe the first time in a couple of months playing both the pass and the rush. On top of that, you're behind... So you have to worry about getting up potentially the big play. You don't want to, of course, make things any worse for yourself. And on top of that, and I do want to give Jared Stidham credit for obviously the the plays he made through the air with a lot of help from Devontae Adams, but he made a lot of plays extending them with his legs. Now, a lot of the runs that he had, I think he you know, was 7 for 35, nothing spectacular, but it was a lot of, all right, scan, survey, all right, take off. Yeah. And the 49ers this year, the one thing that has given their defense fits is quarterbacks that can use their legs, maybe not as a first option, although Justin Fields did it in a monsoon, <laughs> but quarterbacks that can use their legs to make you have to worry about them. Those quarterbacks have beaten the 49ers when you look at Justin Fields, you look at Russell Wilson. I know that was a clunker over game, but he did beat you. You look at, of course, Patrick Mahomes. You look at Marcus Mariota. Like, those are quarterbacks that have given you fits. And looking ahead, even looking into the playoffs, I know it's not a big name, but Daniel Jones just ran for two touchdowns today. Jalen Hurts, if he returns, obviously can beat you with his legs. They handled Taylor Heineke who you know can use his legs, but he's not really a you know frontier front line. Doesn't not supposed to be a starting quarterback. So if you're looking at one thing that could maybe give you fits on defense, that could give the number one defense fits, it's a mobile quarterback. And even then, to, to Pat's point, if you get pressure, what does that negate? Some of the secondary issues many fans pointed to and said that's the problem today. How do you improve your coverage? How do you improve the way you can, or how your defense plays? You get to the quarterback, you get pressure, you make them have to make a play with their legs to extend the play out of the pocket. It's how they did in 2019. Who was in the secondary in 2019? It was Richard Sherman and an unproven Emmanuel Mosley. It was a K1 Williams who was on the Browns practice squad a couple years ago. And those guys are great now. We can look back and say, wow, they're great. Like, those were important players for us. But that was Jimmy Ward's first elite year playing safety. That was Chiquisky Tart, who I love him, but he was not a top 10 safety. Like, And the reason how they did that, or why they were so good at playing in the secondary, is because they got pressure. Even this year, Tayshawn Gibson, Hufunga, guys who I can argue are much better run defenders than pass coverage defenders. How do you help them? How do you limit what Hufunga does each game, which is seemingly give up one big blown coverage a game? How do you limit that stuff? You get to the quarterback. And they didn't do that today, and I could argue that 
their biggest Achilles heel is the mobile quarterback, like you said, Evan. You play Jalen Hurts, I mean, that's a nightmare scenario for San Francisco. And if you're playing them in Philadelphia, <laughs> it's an even bigger nightmare scenario for you. But round one, that could be Geno Smith again, who I know they beat him a couple weeks ago, but he can run. Daniel Jones can run. Like, that could be the biggest problem for this defense going forward. And it's not even so much a quarterback that can... Look, Daniel Jones has got... I know it sounds crazy to say, but he has top-line speed. Like, he can't take wheels. off and... He could be a 100-yard rusher, yeah. Daniel Jones. I don't think a lot of other quarterbacks can say that. But if you can do enough just to extend a play, mm-hmm. to give enough time to your receivers against a secondary that's proved that if they're given three seconds, three and a half seconds, they can lock a man up for enough time for the pass rush to get to the quarterback if it's a statue. And that's, again, that's why they have stacked up so many wins. That's why they're now 12-4, and because against a statue, an immobile quarterback, they will kill you. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady, dominated. Tua Tonga-Bailoa, dominated. I mean, we're looking at Justin Herbert. I know it was a slog of a game, but they took care of him. He's a little more mobile, but they won that football game. Matthew Stafford, dominated. If you do not have the ability to move, the 49ers will find a way to beat you defensively. But if you can improvise even a little bit, I think we've seen over the course of this season now that it's a common theme that that might be something that could get you beat. The one shining light on that that we saw today was, well, you also now have an offense that is able to turn it up when it needs to, that can score and has now scored back-to-back weeks of 37 points. That's now the third time they've done it this season, Three in the la- two in the last three games. That is a silver lining for this team. So, you know, if you're telling me that this offense is going to score 37 a game, I might raise my eyebrows. If you're telling me this defense is going to give up 34 a game, I also would raise my eyebrows. But if you're telling me in a playoff situation that you're facing a mobile quarterback, I might also say, well, then this defense could have a tough day. But the difference is, can the offense play like this successive games? Can they do it again and again? I'm not sure. I mean, the averages over over the course of the last you know four games or five games that right. Brock Purdy would tell you yes. But in a playoff situation, things become a little bit different. So that's the only reason I have pause. I think overall, this is a game that Sterling put very well that you should be feeling good about because you didn't play well, you still won. And at the end of the day, you still improved your seating. You still give yourself a chance for the bye and the one seed in the NFC. And to answer the uh, uh, the question from the Xfinity Mobile text line going back to, I believe it was the 5-1-0, can the Eagles drop to the 5 seed if they lose and the Cowboys win? Yes. Yes, they can. Like, Philadelphia could fall from the 1 all the way to the 5. They need to win next week. Yes. Need to. After losing these last two games. So a lot is going on in the NFC. We're going to continue to break down the playoff picture coming up on the other side in the next hour. We're taking up until at least 6.30 on overtime. Evan getting Sterling Bennett filling in for Kyle Madsen and Alan Stiles on 95.7 The Game. But I want to go out to San Jose next and talk to Schleprock, who's got thoughts about the game after the Niners' overtime victory against the Raiders. Schleprock, what's going on, man? How are you? What's going on, guys? And let me preface this by saying I'm a longtime Raider fan, but this is what happens when you get two professional teams with grown men playing and you get a game like you got today and it's going to come down to who makes the least mistakes. And unfortunately, because I'm a Raider fan, the Niners made least mistakes, maybe not the least mistakes, but the, the least amount of mistakes at a time where it was imperative that they could make a mistake. 
correct me if I'm I'm wrong because I was hooting and hollering when it was happening, but Stidham made a mistake in overtime when he threw that ball when they were already in field goal range. So when it when it comes down to it, you got a team that sucked, the Raiders, and a team that's been on a roll. But when it comes down, both of them played pretty much a, a clean game when it comes down to penalties. And and it just seems like to me that anybody can win a game on a given day if you just play a clean game and don't make mistakes. And that's what happened with the 49ers today. It was a great game. I think one of the top five games of this season. What, what do you guys think? And I'll listen on the air. Thanks, Schleprock. Well, I think it was the best game of 2023. It, well, okay. That was a low hanging fruit. Of course fruit. it is. <laughs> I apologize. No, I, look, the 49ers and the Raiders... I know it's not a rivalry for the players, but it is absolutely yeah. for the fans. I mean, well... It, it's a rivalry for who, Jimmy Ward and George Kittle, because well, those are the last guys to play against forget, the Oakland Raiders. Ward turned down more money to go to the Raiders in free agency, I believe, in 2020. He what? said, I'm going to come back to San Francisco. Oh, Jimmy Ward, yeah. Yes. And so, like, don't forget, this is a rivalry, which, yes, maybe it does mean more to the fans than it does the players, but... The NFL had to cancel the rivalry for a little bit because there was some little extra stuff going on on the outside. No, they canceled all the preseason games. Well, right, and but that's because there was some really bad stuff happening. So, like, this was the first time since 2018, which that's a scheduled opponent, but this meant something, I think, to the Raider fans. Where, look, and I genuinely feel bad, and, and I know we're up against it, but, like, your GM, your head coach, said, we're done. Like, our eyes are towards next year. We want to see what Jared Stidham has. No, you don't. You want to see which quarterback you're going to draft next year. Now, he looked pretty good today. They might. (laughs) He looked pretty good today. But, like, the fans showed up today. They care. And I do feel bad for Raider fans. But, look, in this game, this was was kind of a rock fight of, you know, again, like Slaprock said, whoever makes the least amount of mistakes. And I think when I look at Brock Purdy through one pick, but it wasn't at a pivotal point. None of his interceptions have been at pivotal points in the game where you need a touchdown or a first down. They've been Juwan Jennings tip ball or Xavier Howard pick on fourth and one when you're up by 10 against Miami. Like he's never thrown a pick where it's a game killer or a drive killer. It's like, okay, we have a whole quarter to go. And I do think that might be something to glean from when he does throw a pick. It's not a game killer or a drive killer like we've seen in the past with someone like Jimmy Garoppolo or maybe a Trey Lance or Going back to Kaepernick or Smith, like he's not a drive-killing quarterback thus far. Well, he hasn't been, and you could say that the defense picked him up today when he needed to. But Brock Purdy, you know, he throws the interception, tail end of the third quarter. Next play, Stidham misses an open waller up the middle. Yeah. Play after, gets bad at the line of scrimmage, gets intercepted. Niners get the ball back. Drake Jackson. And then they go down and get the field goal to tie the game at 24. So that's a game that is in the balance. Yeah. Like That's a game where the Raiders have a three-point lead and have a chance to add, potentially make it another double-digit right. game going into the fourth. They can't capitalize. The 49ers can. That's why they won the game, 37-34 in overtime. All right, coming up next with... May or may not be our last segment. We're going we're gonna to let you know on the other side. But next hour, we're going to talk playoff picture. All right, the number one seed is in the sights of the 49ers. How important is it? We've talked on this station throughout the past couple of weeks how important the two seed was to San Francisco. Well, right now, they have it. Okay, the Minnesota Vikings got shellacked today by the Packers. The Niners find a way to beat the Raiders in overtime. They are the two seed. They have won nine in a row. 
Can they get the one seed? Do they need to get the one seed? How will that affect your confidence moving forward? It's Sterling Bennett. It's Evan Giddings. It's overtime. It's 95-7 the game. We're back after this. You've got the NFL's leading rusher going against the NFL's best rush defense. Who wins this battle on fourth and inches? Jacobs, the carry. Jacobs doesn't get there. The rush defense gets the win against the top rusher in the NFL. Now back to 95-7, the game. 49ers shutting Josh Jacobs down there. As a defense, getting run on a little bit today. First time, look, got to give him credit. First time they've allowed over 80 yards from an opponent since Kansas City. They have won nine in a row despite giving up 500 yards on offense to the Las Vegas Raiders. They're now in the two seed in the NFC. They win 37-34 in overtime. This is overtime on 95-7 the game. we got one more segment here, so get your calls in now. 888-957-957. It's also the number for the Xfinity Mobile text line, Sterling Bennett and Evan Giddings. Look, 92-5 chiming in. 49ers fans, we sound very spoiled. We won. That's it. Is is that how you feel? Or do you feel like, like well, we won, but... It's both. We won, but we can be better. Like, that's that's the thing. Is like, yeah, you won. Well, you've seen him be better. Right. And, like, that's, like... Because San Francisco won eight straight dominant games, beat a Buccaneers team, who is now the NFC South champion, beat a Dolphins team, who I get is reeling because they're in their third-string quarterback now, but that's that was a good team coming in and playing San Francisco. You beat a team today, which I get it, it's kind of on the ropes, they waved the white flag, whatever, but the expectation was you were going to come in on Sunday to Allegiant Stadium and dominate your opponent. They didn't do that defensively. But the, no. but the beautiful thing is they did that offensively. They had the most yards they have racked up all year. And I can argue they've, I mean, they have. They played much better defenses, and they put up their best offensive performance all season long. And guess what? They had to. They had to. If they do not score 37 points, they do not win this game. And so I do think you leave this game saying, I don't know, the defense might not be as good as you think it is, but the offense might be better than what you thought it was. And I think that right there gives me so much confidence playing or or, or wherever you want to seat this team in the NFC, whether it's three or the two or the one, right now I don't think it really matters who they play. I Right now I am saying this team is likely going to win in the first round of the playoffs, and we'll go from there. Well, right now they would be playing the Seattle Seahawks, who right now are in a three-way tie. They have the tiebreaker over Detroit, Green Bay. Both the Lions and the Packers won today uh, pretty handedly over their opponents. The guys in front of them right now, the New York Giants have the six after winning. Dallas Cowboys have the five after winning on Thursday night. Tampa Bay wins the AFC South, so they are in after beating Carolina earlier today. At least we'll have, looks like, a division winner from that AFC South that is above 500, or at least 500 instead of below. Minnesota gets killed today by the Packers. How bad was Kirk Cousins? Nick Mullins played. He was so bad. Nick Mullins, Niners legend. A lot by the of way. people, I think, would consider myself a Kirk Cousins apologist, but oh, I got nothing for you today. Three picks, like was... bad picks. Like that team to me, like. Well, the first, the first one, the pick six was probably a tip. Right, but I mean. But the last one was. Oh, you can't make an excuse for it. Double coverage, underthrown, but, and I know San Francisco jumped them in the seating number two now. Vikings are number three. 
Vikings are 12 and 4. Could I argue? And I get they've had a great year. Jefferson is phenomenal. Thielen's great. Cook is amazing. Could I argue they, next to Dallas, might be the two most fraudulent teams in the NFC? You think Dallas is? I don't think Dallas is that good. They have a great defense. I, Dak Prescott, to me, is Kirk Cousins with more mobility, with mobility maybe. Like, I don't trust any of those guys. I'm worried about Dallas's offensive line getting extremely banged up. Yeah. Because they have two running backs that can win you a football game without Dak having to throw the ball. I mean, can they? Pollard didn't do anything last year in the playoffs. They didn't use him. Like, like Exactly. But pa- Pollard's been, to me, a, a difference maker this season. He yes. wasn't there on Thursday night against Tennessee. But, right, right. But they'll, they'll have him for the finale. Yeah. So, no, I, I think, look, I, I think Dallas is, to me, like if you're ranking teams, Philadelphia, de facto, number one, 49ers, two, or I should say 1A at this point. Right. And then it would be Dallas, third. I'd agree with that. Vikings, fourth. Hmm. I don't know which other team you'd put above them. New York? I'm not going to lie. Oh, by the way, if we're talking about uh, Niners opponents, (laughs) 0-14 now is the record directly the week after playing the 49ers because Washington lost today to the Browns. Wow. Well, Carson Wentz is also garbage. Like That he is. And I hate saying that because he's he's a human being, (laughs) but like... He's, he's making a lot of money. He's, if he's playing like garbage, you, you're all right to call him. He's that. bad at football. He like, is right now. What? I don't think he has been for two years. I can argue three years. Like his career trajectory was MVP to now. You might not be in the league next year. He's been good enough to people that people want to take a chance on him. The people yeah, have but, wanted to spend picks on him I mean, each of the last two off seasons. Dan Snyder and, and Jeff Saturday. <laughs> I think that train comes to a comes to a stop. Yeah, it kind of has to, right? Like. Rivera was like, he didn't know his team could be eliminated from the playoffs today or, or next week. He didn't know. Well, that that's not a Carson Wentz problem. No, that's, no. That's, that's, that's a Ron Rivera problem. Thing. Right. That's right. a Ron Rivera issue. But if we're looking at the NFC, so the Lions beat the Bears 41-10. You know, we're looking around at the rest of the results. Packers, the final score of that game, by the way, was 41-17. to It wasn't close, though. They're up 27-3 to at the half. They got absolutely blitzed, the Beautiful. Vikings did. Uh, literally and figuratively. And then Cowboys on Thursday night beat the Titans 27-13. That, that is one of the things, though. If you're talking about teams that you know may or may not be as good or bad as you think they are, I, I do think that there is something to it. Right? I know the Titans haven't been playing great football. I think they've lost five, six in a row. I mean, they're on the verge. Right now, they're, they're in a dogfight for the division with the Jacksonville Jaguars next week. Week 18. But the Cowboys did not play well. Dak Prescott was not good. Right. And they won by double digits against a team that could be in the postseason. Yeah, but they had Josh Dobbs playing. Like, it's not like they had a competent quarterback to keep them in a ballgame. I don't think Derrick Henry played either. It's like they didn't have anybody that you would circle on the offense and say, yeah, you're the guy I'm going to lean on. It was Traylon Burks and Josh Dobbs. But... Well, if you really want to play that game, I could say you just played the Las Vegas Raiders with Jared Stidham. <laughs> You're not wrong. And you won it overtime. Right, but that's why fans are like, dude, what the heck was that? Like, you gave up 34 points to Jared Stidham? Like, I'm not dogging Dallas for beating the Tennessee Titans where Dak played bad. The Niners didn't play bad offensively. Dak was bad against Tennessee. The difference is, is that Tennessee didn't have Derrick Henry and didn't have Tannehill or even Willis didn't play either. Like, San Francisco wasn't coming into this game beating themselves offensively. They were hanging around and won the game because of the offense. Dallas was hanging on because of the defense, and that, I think, is what makes me look at Dallas and say, I don't know if I consider you a threat, at least when it comes to being a top-two team in the NFC. Like, 
every year it's Dallas Cowboys are going to the playoffs and out in the first round. Because when push comes to shove, they fall apart late, and that's because of Dak Prescott sometimes. A couple of injury updates from the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan after the game saying Aaron Banks will get an MRI on his injured right knee and ankle tomorrow. Uh, the fear is that it's a sprained MCL. So not confirmed yet, right. but that's the fear. Right. That would put him out six to eight weeks, as we've discussed, is probably going to put him out for the remainder of the season. Mm-hmm. Linebacker Drake Greenlaw will also get further testing on his injured back tomorrow. I think we're in agreement that that's, that's, that's the good. bigger one. Yeah. I mean, Drake Greenlaw at times has played like your best defensive player outside of Nick yeah. Bosa. He got the big contract this year, playing his best year. Now, you do wonder, Al Shire, who has kind of been on the back burner all year, he had a great year last year, but coming into this year, it was Greenlaw and Warner, those were your guys. You wonder if Al Shire can kind of rekindle what he found last year and come in and replace Greenlaw. Maybe he is the guy you need going forward in the playoffs, but the linebacking court to me is it's excellent. Whether yeah. it's Warner, Greenlaw, Al Shire, even Warren Burks, who isn't an amazing player, he filled in for you earlier this year. Flanagan fouls. Right. Like, they have some guys that can be supplements for Greenlaw. Not as good, but can be just good enough. Yeah, and, and when your defensive line, I know they weren't great today, but when they are at full strength, I mean, we saw Eric Armstead, John was playing the highlight coming out of... That was a great play. You know, the Raiders getting stood up at the goal line on fourth and goal. That was all Armstead. He completely blew up the guard on that play, allowed a lane for the rest of those guys to swarm through and stop Jacobs at the door. So Aaron Ar- Eric Armstead's a game-changer in the run game. He's a game-changer in the defensive line. Obviously, you got Kinlaw back. Looks like Jordan Willis is playing pretty good football. He got bigger than last we year, We saw too. Drake Jackson get his first career yeah. turnover, do he a was, backflip in the end zone. He was inactive last week, and that, to me, was a statement. And, and I know it may have been some luck. Obviously, Hyder made a big play, knocked the ball out of the air. But to me, that was a, hey, I need to be active Every single week. I'm too good as a physical talent to not be active every single week. Might not make a big play, but he didn't suit up last week. Why? I do think for Kyle Shanahan, that was a message of like, hey, like, I may not be your Bosa, your Ebukam, or your Kinlaw, your Armstead, but I can help this team some way somehow. Yeah, I, I got to be in the rotation. That's what that interception is trying to, to say to me. And look, first half of the year, he was. I mean, he yeah. had a few sacks, and it was to the point we were talking about Who's been the best rookie, Spencer Burford or Drake Jackson? There was a certain point this year Drake Jackson was tied for sacks with Aiden Hutchinson, who was number 2 overall pick. Like, he was having a great first half this year, now fell off, but Drake Jackson has some oomph to his play. Yeah. No, he certainly does. And you mentioned a Detroit Lion and Hutchinson. Okay, so the Lions right now, if we're looking at playoff picture, we got about 15, le- 15 minutes left here. If there's anything you want to talk about the game, 888-957-9570. Also the Xfinity Mobile text line, uh, 510. E. Giddings, are you going to use over the, overuse the word fraud in front of Steiny this week about Kirk Cousins? No, I am not. It's As we've talked about, we have banned words from 2023. Sterling's adding fussle to the fussle. list. Do not want any more fussle, <laughs> fake hustle, fussle combined. Can't talk about it the rest of the year. Um, Sterling, right now, okay, I think we're in agreement. There's no team in the NFC that you fear, right? Oh, Eagles. Well, that that's a team that might be overall talent-wise that can compete with you. Right, right. But I, I'm honestly to the point where I think the 49ers, like, I, I'm not afraid of that game. I'm afraid of it more than any other game. Right, okay, yeah. I can see that. But the only teams that I would be afraid of if I'm the 49ers are in the other conference, I think. Probably just Cincinnati and Kansas City. Not even Buffalo? I mean, Buffalo has shown the ability to falter in bigger games. Whether it's, like, Josh Allen is... The Niners haven't? Well, they have, but I guess my point is that Josh Allen has faltered against much much worse defenses 
Now, he's a great quarterback, great talent. They have a great offense. They're a good team. Like They, they will likely be the number one team in the AFC when it's all said and done, unless something crazy happens tomorrow night. But I do think that Kansas City and Cincinnati scare me much more because I don't think, like, Mahomes can go down by 20 and put 35 on you and it feels like a minute. The Bengals can go down by 20 and do the same thing to you. I don't know if, like, the way Josh Allen plays might fit into the hand of San Francisco more so than Mahomes and, and Burrow, which is why I think those teams being Kansas City and Cincinnati scare me a little bit more than the Bills. Okay, so with that, and and I I, I didn't mean to make it a conversation no. about the, the, the top teams. My, my question now is, okay, we're looking not too far ahead, but to the first round, right? you got the Seahawks, the Lions, and the Packers. They're all tied for that last spot in which right now you would host a home game against. Yeah. Of those three teams, we're, we're on the same page, right, of the team that you, don't, that you don't want to see. Is it Green Bay? It is Green Bay. Yeah. I don't want to play Aaron Rodgers with a free shot. That, that's, he has a lot of confidence. Confidence means so much in the NFL. But is it just me? I kind of want to play the Lions. Just because that game is going to be, that could be a shootout to the end. It'd be so fun to watch. Oh, I, I think the team you want to play is Seattle. Interesting. Is it because they don't have the firepower, or is it because they're just a less talented team than Detroit and Green Bay? I think it's because the, they're the team you're most familiar with. Okay. And the team that also Brock Purdy's seen before. Now, they've seen Brock Purdy before, <laughs> right? but and, to me that's more of an advantage for the 49ers having mm. played them and, frankly, dominated them twice in the regular season. Couldn't I say you did the same thing last year to the Rams and that didn't go your way? Now I get different teams, different scenarios, all that stuff. But, but the Rams, you could say... Maybe we're the better. I mean, they won the Super Bowl, right? So it's not like it's <laughs> right, not like we're right. saying the Seattle Seahawks right. are going to make a run and go right. on and you know win in late February. It's like first round matchup. Who's the, who's the team you don't want to see? I, I would rather see Seattle than Detroit because Detroit could score. Maybe it's just my bitterness towards the history of Seattle and San Francisco. If you had to go to Seattle, maybe. I I just don't want to see Pete Carroll's gun gum smacking lips and Geno <laughs> Smith like. It, maybe it's just Pete Carroll. Like I just don't want to see that team at Levi's again. Like I want to get rid of you. Like I didn't want to see Los Angeles again, and we, we did. We know what happens. But like I would rather play a Detroit team that I know might be an amazing offense, but they have the worst defense in the NFL, like bar none, like worse than the Raiders do, and they put up 475 yards today. Like I do think that the Lions would could give you a shot, but I do think they also might be. Just a one and done dud where it's like twenty four to nothing in the first half, leaning San Francisco. I do think it depends on how good a team is playing entering the postseason. Yeah. And look, we talk about the Bengals. They're on, I think, the second longest winning streak outside of the Niners right now in football. The Lions quietly have rattled off eight of ten. It's pretty good. Now a lot of it a lot of their success has been at home. Yeah. But and they did it today against the Bears, killed them forty one ten. They lost last week on the road to the Panthers, mm-hmm. but the Panthers inexplicably have been playing pretty yeah. good football lately. Almost won today against Tampa Bay. They won against the Jets on the road. They beat the Vikings at home. Even if, for whatever you think about the Vikings, that's a quality win. Right. They beat the Jaguars at home amidst Trevor Lawrence's decent stretch. But the Jaguars, to me, aren't a good team. They're a young team that's on the come up, but they're not a good team. It's about the teams, to me, that are playing the best right now. And Green street. Bay and Detroit are playing their best football right now. I think I would agree. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But Green Bay is the team you don't want. To, you don't want to give Aaron Rodgers a team that you beat last year at his house, <laughs> right, right. who's already got a lot of bulletin board material, mm-hmm. 
and has got a lot of young guys around him that, quite frankly, don't know any better at this point. You don't want to give him a free swing. What would that look like? Christian Watson coming here, Trey Lance's receiver at NDSU coming to Levi's and beating you in your own house. Well, Trey Lance watches from the bench, albeit because injury. Like that, that to me would be like, I want to throw up. What would it look like for Kyle Shanahan losing to Matt Lafleur? Get out, fire him. Who he hasn't, <laughs> who he hasn't <laughs> lost to in the playoffs, right? Like, I mean, that was the big. That was one of the big storylines in 2019 in the conference title game. It's sure, it's obviously the 49ers. It's Rodgers versus the team that didn't draft him, and it's it's the defense against the offense. But it's two quote unquote brilliant offensive head coaching minds in Kyle Shanahan and Matt Lafleur. I just. And maybe LaFleur learned from his maybe. playoff inexperience, you know, from not giving Rodgers the chance to go for it against Tom Brady a couple of years ago in the postseason, from not being as aggressive as you might like last year in the conference, um, or pardon me, in the, in the division game last year against San Francisco. Maybe he's got enough experience now. That That's the team right now that I am praying does not find a way to come to Levi Stadium week one of the postseason should you be the two-seed, of course. Well, I'd agree with you. And, and and I do think that San Francisco is going to be the two-seed. I, I I don't foresee them losing to the Cardinals next week, albeit 34 points the Raiders put up today. But I just... You don't want to see Green Bay, but I do not want to see Seattle. I just... I don't like the... Whether it's the bad juju or just three games against the same team, like... I know San Francisco won like eight straight games against the Rams, and oh my goodness, and you know, are they going to do it again in the playoffs? And I know they're different teams, different scenarios, and all that stuff, but like, how many times do you get to play an opponent three times and it go your way? Like, Seattle's a y- not a young team, but relatively, they're not supposed to be here. And Pete Carroll always has that team ready. Like, yes, that, that score in Seattle could have been a lot worse than it actually was, but Brock Purdy could have thrown a pick six in that game. Like, San Francisco could have been down. I get it's in Seattle, but I just don't want to have Pete Carroll with three swings against me. I don't want three strikes. I want him two and done and gone. Yeah, I got you. And I want Jared Goff, who this team has dominated over and over and over and over and over again, dating back to, like, 2016. Like, they have Jared Goff's number. And this defense, while I get today wasn't impressive, they're going to bounce back. And then you add in Debo and Mitchell, I do think they can handle the worst defense in football and limit Jared Goff on the road. And that's why I want to play Detroit. I got you. And the 510 backs you up. Xfinity Mobile text line. That'd be three games against the Seahawks, and you don't want to try to beat a team three times in a row. I mean, that's what the Bucks did on their postseason yeah. or uh, Super Bowl run. They beat the Saints the third time in yeah. three meetings when losing to them twice in the regular season. I'm sure there are plenty of examples of that throughout the years, of not wanting to see a, a team three times. I just think the gap between the 49ers and the Seahawks is so large at this point that a third time, look, it might be a tight game, but if we're going to be honest, all, all postseason games are generally tight. And they just showed you today that even if it's a lesser opponent, like, they can win a tight game. So that is certainly a plus. The 5-1-0 almost lost to a yeah. worse Lions team in Detroit last year. No thanks. That's true. It was also the first game of the season. Also context, dude. Verrett tears his ACL, Mostert gets hurt, like... I get it. Like this station, like, like we, we we were working that day behind the scenes, and it was like, what is happening? Yeah. Like, how is this team falling apart? But Brandon Ayuk's better, and McCaffrey's here. Like, that's a worse Lions team. This is a much better Niners team than it was. Yeah. Also, I mean, look, this year I think the Detroit Lions and 
their offense to me presents a lot of options that as we saw today against a secondary if given time in the pocket Jared Goff could do some damage against you I think that with Green Bay I know that their defense overall if you look at the numbers probably aren't great but their last four games have been pretty stout especially against the run Green Bay is a team that I mean, if you're talking about a mobile quarterback, I know Rodgers, the first half of the year, was pretty beans for his standards, coming <laughs> off of two MVPs. Yeah. But he's also starting to recapture some of that magic. And it feels like like Aaron Rodgers, to me, has always been, and we have a couple minutes here left, but has always been kind of the front runner. Mm-hmm. Like He's always been great in the regular season and then had those expectations that he's fallen short of outside of one year. But that one year, he's the wild card team. Right. Like. The Packers and Aaron Rodgers, to me, would fit better and be able to play more freely if they were somehow able to sneak in as the eighth seed if they win next week. He almost has nothing to lose. And I think Aaron Rodgers with nothing to lose is dangerous. Like, we know he's great, multiple-time MVP, back-to-back MVP. Like, he is, bar none, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He was Mahomes before Mahomes. We know this. We've seen him plenty of times. But you tell him, Aaron... You may not be here next year. Could be Jordan Love. We don't know. He could be saying, I want to prove and go out. And like, if this is my last year in Green Bay, which we don't know if it is, I can beat San Francisco on my way out the door and do what I haven't been able to do since Colin Kaepernick was here in 2011, 2012. Like, that to me is what I had nightmares of. When I wake up in a, in a sweat and a stupor, I'm like, oh my God, Aaron Rodgers. Oh no. Like, that's what I don't want to see come playoff time. Well, we kind of buried the leader here, but the reason we're talking, I think I'm talking Green Bay, Detroit, is because <laughs> they're playing each other next week. Right. Green Bay is going to host Detroit. Right. So the winner of that game is going to have a chance to make the playoffs. Of course, if Seattle wins, none of that matters. They host the Rams, who you would ideally think they should take care of. Who knows? Maybe it's big game Baker. Maybe it's bus Baker. Who knows? Maybe it'll be bye week Baker like he was this week against the Chargers. He was terrible. Either way, we're out of time. Uh, Sterling, my man, thank you so much for hanging around and uh, hope we get to do it again soon. Always good stuff. Week 18, baby. Week 18. Next week against the Arizona Cardinals. That's what we'll be talking about this week. It's a bit of a mix-up tomorrow. Three shows, four hours. It'll be 6-10, to 10-2, to 2-6. Do not miss out on any coverage here on 95.7. The game, I'm sure we're going to be breaking the game down 17 different ways. And a Warriors game tomorrow, like too. we got a Warriors game as well. Atlanta Hawks coming to town. Warriors won four in a row. They're riding high. So a lot to talk about. No Wiggins. No Kaminga. No Wiseman. No Jamichael Green? Oh, going to be tough. It's called a phase, people. Tune in at 6 a.m. tomorrow to hear all your coverage live on 95.7 The Game. That'll do it for us tonight. Overtime, Sterling Bennett, Evan Giddings in for Kyle Madsen and Alan Styles. Big thank you to John behind the glass working sold tonight. It's not easy to do. We appreciate all of those of you tuning in the last two and a half hours here on 95.7 The Game after the Niners defeat the Raiders in overtime 37-34. We now send you back to your regularly scheduled Fox programming. We appreciate you tuning in to overtime here on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 